And I think it's what's holding a lot of freelancers back because we are limited by time. Time is our bottleneck. So we need to be really efficient with our time to be a profitable freelancer. Today, I'm answering a question from my course student, Ferlin. Shout out to Ferlin. She said, I'm amazed with your time management skills between client work, building your personal brand, course updates, YouTube video production, and community engagement on Slack. Could you share how you segregate your time amongst all of these? So I want to make an episode on time management because I think that's a really good question and I think it's what's holding a lot of freelancers back because we are limited by time. Time is our bottleneck so we need to be really efficient with our time. I've gone out of my way to read some time management books but what I find is that everybody's brain functions a little bit differently. I mean I've tried everything in terms of scheduling things down to a T but that didn't really feel right to me so what I've come to in terms of how I get everything done, I think you have to find what works for you and what feels right and what actually accomplishes the goal, what actually helps you be efficient. Welcome to the Paid Copywriter Podcast for free thinkers and introverts who just don't fit the nine to five mold and want to break free and start a business of one. I share all of the tips, strategies, and behind the scene fails of how I transitioned from a nine to five career to freelance writing despite having no experience. So if you want to learn all things copywriting, persuasion, psychology, and marketing, make sure you subscribe or follow whether you're listening to this on podcast or YouTube. So recently I got into power walking and I'm obsessed with it and my fiance makes fun of me because I'm that weirdo striding outside on the sidewalks and on the beach and on the boardwalk with my arms pumping. But my best ideas hit me when I'm on those walks, okay? So what I'm about to read to you is me talking into my phone on my notes app, taking the notes in Asana, and now I'm sitting down recording this for you. And that's all going to play into how I make the most of my time, how I repurpose content, how I capture ideas. We're going to cover all of it. So let's start with the first one. You're probably not going to expect this, but we're going to go there. I don't drink alcohol and I don't do drugs. Very, very sensitive. And I don't do well with any type of substance at all. And I actually stopped drinking about two years ago. Um, Marijuana, substances, all that stuff, it has the opposite impact on me. Like it makes people tired, hungry, and relaxed. And instead it makes me wired. It makes me lose my appetite. And then I get super freaking paranoid. And then the paranoid usually spirals into some type of depression. So I just don't do well with substances. But alcohol is that, you know, very insidious substance that is so tolerated in our culture so celebrated so normalized in our culture that that took me the longest to kick even though I was like a very light drinker by the time I quit I never had blackouts never had really like embarrassing moments or I just didn't really look like I had a problem with alcohol but once I got rid of those hangovers and the paranoia and the crutch of alcohol I really kicked into high gear. I had a brand new focus. I had some health issues with like my stomach and my skin. All of that went away. So choosing to be straight edge really 
supercharges your results, <laughs> try giving alcohol up for 90 days and just see how you feel, right? Because you might not want to get rid of it completely. And if you are kind of struggling and you've been thinking about going alcohol free, check out how to quit drinking or how to quit alcohol the easy way by, uh, what is the name? I have the book right on my shelf um, at Alan something. I'll put it in the show notes. It's a lot of people have read this book and just stopped drinking cold turkey. I don't consider myself an alcoholic. I just stopped drinking. I guess you would call it spontaneous sobriety. I don't attend meetings and I do not do a 12-step program. I just spontaneously stopped drinking. So that's the one is I, I, I take care of my brain by not doing drugs and alcohol. And as my mother used to say growing up, she used to say, in this family, we don't have a lot of brain cells, so we have to preserve all the ones we have, so don't do drugs. Here's the other thing. I use Asana to organize all of my tasks and track my progress. This is both for my freelance business and my digital products business, which is my course, 30 Days to Paid, and my template pack that you guys might have downloaded prioritizing everything based on deadline and being able to see the progress via that Kanban method that is spelled K-A-N-B-A-N, Kanban. This is uh, how Trello boards are organized. I could literally see if I'm assigned a blog post, assigned first draft in edits and final revisions. I break everything down into stages and Asana allows me to do that with the Kanban board method. And I teach that in my online course. I give you a walkthrough of Asana. I took a $1,400 course on how to use Asana for project management. And it was like some of the best money I ever spent. The woman's name is Louise Henry. I'm just a huge fan of hers. And organizing my life via Asana was a game changer. I mean, even getting on Trello in my very beginning days was a step in the right direction. When I became a freelancer, I progressed from, this is embarrassing, I used to write my assignments and due dates on post-it notes and a whiteboard. And then I used project management, which was Trello. And then I graduated to Asana, which is what I'm using now. And now everyone's using Notion and I feel some FOMO and I'm like, oh my God, should I do Notion? Should I do ClickUp? Like all these flashy project management. But at the end of the day, I think they all do kind of the same thing and I'm sticking with Asana for the foreseeable future. So here's the other thing I do. I make the most of when my brain is at full capacity and that for me is in the morning. I think for a lot of people, it's going to be the morning. So what that looks like is that the things I dread doing most, which is honestly, I hate to say it at this point, it's my client work. It just kind of like stresses me out. And then when I get on a podcast and when I am able to interact with my core students, that's when I get into flow. When I feel really fulfilled, I still am very much a freelancer. <laughs> Majority of my income comes from my freelance clients and I do want to stay in the freelance game. So I use those morning, I use the mornings for like hardcore writing. So I usually will either be writing my own newsletter that I send to you guys in the mornings, or I'll be doing client work that requires the most brain energy because I'm sharpest in the morning and my concentration and focus and energy, it starts to taper in the afternoon. Okay, so here's the other thing I do. I'm ruthless with what I say yes to at this point, like with everything. And I started doing this a few years ago and it changed everything. If you are a yes person, you're going to find that your time is not your own. 
I say no to a lot of things both personally and professionally. I know that in my in my 20s when I had the big gaggle of girlfriends, it was a constant parade of expensive obligations of going to their, you know, their weddings, their bachelorette parties, their birthday parties. And then I moved further from them. So I was putting 100 miles on my car to go to these events. And I think this happens to women specifically. We're people pleasers. And it's like, I have some friends even now where it's like, oh my God, like I'm going to this $5,000 bachelorette party and it's for a weekend in Cancun. I started saying no to that stuff. You know, if you want to engage in in this industry where you're asking people to drop $5,000 of their hard-earned money to go on a bachelorette party with you, it's just like I'm very skeptical of these traditions that require everybody else to go into debt and spend all their money for somebody's life event. I'm skeptical of these societal norms where you should now um, have like an Instagram bachelorette that other people have to blow two paychecks on. So I am not in debt. I'm very against debt. It's something I'm really passionate about. And anything that's going to set you back on your goals, your your financial goals or your professional goals, or maybe even like your physical goals, like, you know, you're trying to work out and, but you have that one friend that always needs to go out to eat. All they do is go out to eat restaurants, restaurants, restaurants. Oh my God. Like some people have no hobbies other than eating at restaurants. And that's fine if you're a foodie. But it, it costs a lot of money. It's not healthy. And then if you have a friend who just, they can't do anything but go out to eat. They can't do anything with you other than go to the bar. It's like, maybe if you can't get coffee with that person and go on a power walk or do something healthy or go to the gym with them or or sit there and do something other than spending money and eating a ton of calories, maybe you guys aren't that close. So I started to really think differently and look at my my social circles and all the things that I thought I had to say yes to and realize I could cut down and minimize everything that really wasn't serving me. And I will say a lot of the people that I felt like I had to go so out of my way for and spend all this money on their weddings and this and that, when it came down to when I really needed them, they didn't show up for me. So this was like the big reckoning I had around the age of 30 was like, oh, because of social media, because of my own naive inability to just look at things for what they were, I thought I was a lot closer with people than I was. I felt like I owed people something that I did not owe them. And once I got free of that and stopped people pleasing, I was like, you know what? I'm okay with losing a few friends by drawing boundaries. (laughs) Everything became super streamlined and my time and money and emotions stopped being so invested in other people. And I did focus on myself and life did get better and my productivity skyrocketed as a result. So that's a long-winded way of saying that I really just became ruthless with what I say no to. That goes with my freelance clients too. I've gotten really ruthless with the amount of clients that I'm willing to take on and what the quality of those clients are, meaning how much trouble do they put me through? How much are am I getting from them per month, right? I, I, I am ruthless with my minimums now. I'm not working for any clients that pay me less than a thousand dollars per month rachel peterson you could look her up on instagram rachel the last name is spelled p-e-d-e-r-s-o-n 
she says, don't take clients that you're not getting at least $1,000 a month from. And she's not specifically talking about copywriters. She's kind of making a general statement for freelancers, but it applies to freelance copywriters. It, it weeds out the clients that are worth your time and are not that aren't going to give you consistent work. And for me at this point, the, the ones that are a major pain in my ass, I don't want to put up with it. I don't need to put up with anyone disrespecting me, talking down to me. And I'm in tech and it's very male dominated. A lot of marketers and technology people sometimes think that they're like the next Steve Jobs are so smart and they come across as very arrogant. Unless someone's super polite and friendly, don't want to work with them at this point. If it's just not the vibe, I literally drop it and walk away. I, I say this in like my social media posts and I hope it doesn't come across as like um, me being arrogant and me thinking that my shit don't stink or whatever, but I want everyone to realize that you don't need to take on lower clients. You don't need to take on clients that treat you badly because they do give you a quick income hit. They do give you the money in the short term. And it keeps you busy, but it's actually impeding your ability to make more money down the line. So of course, if you're in the very beginning phases, which a lot of people in my audience are in the very beginning phases of this, you kind of do have to be in that mode of saying yes to everything. I just interviewed Amy on my podcast. I'm going to put that episode out soon. She started her own agency. She's up to a lot of cool stuff, but she says that she's like, in the beginning, you have to do everything that's thrown your way to find out what you like. And that's just how you gain experience. But eventually, and I'm talking a year or two in, and you gain some confidence and portfolio pieces and some testimonials, you got to stop being a doormat. And so many of us get caught in that because we don't believe that something better is coming our way. We don't believe that there's a better client that we could get if we say no to this one. So I would say just becoming ruthless with stuff like that, especially calls. Calls and having face-to-face Zoom, all that stuff is something that 100% takes a lot of energy. I get nervous on calls, even though I teach a lot about how to get on calls with clients. I need you to know that it's not comfortable for me. It's not comfortable for me still. I still do it. It still makes me all of the money. I get the high paying clients. It's something that I have to turn on, but it's never going to feel super fun and relaxing for me. So that's all about boundaries and client work and what I'm willing to say yes to and capacity and all that. But let's talk about the actual writing process and content creation process. So I try to repurpose, right? It's something I preach to my clients who I work for is like, hey, you got to get more mileage out of one piece of content. You got to repurpose it. So all repurposing means is that you're taking one piece of content or an idea, typically a long form piece of content, and you're breaking that down into several different uh, chunks that go on several different mediums or channels. So for me right now, so I, I, saw Ferlin's question. I I took notes on what I was going to make this podcast episode about into my phone. Now I'm sitting down, I'm reading off of that phone and I'm creating this podcast episode. Now the podcast episode is going to be turned into a transcript, which is going to be fed into ChatGPT and I'm going to create an email out of that. And then out of that email, we're going to create social posts out of that. So repurposing is really key with content creation. The other thing is that I've become really fast at writing. So for long form content that's over 3,000 words, 
I have gotten that down to such a short turnaround time because number one, I don't obsess about and nitpick the work. The reason why I think this works for me is that if you are not constantly editing, 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 nitpicking, if you can train yourself to not be that way, I think in turn, it trains your mind to produce a higher quality draft the first time around. Because when your brain knows, no, I'm not going to go in 30 times to change this, you're going to get a higher quality output. My brain knows at this point that I'm not going to sit there for hours and tweak it. I kind of have this down to a science. And then something I also do is I always walk away and look at the piece with fresh eyes. That's really key. Do not just sit there and stare at a 3,000 word blog post and try to make it work. If you are tired, you have to walk away, focus on something else, and come back and read it with fresh eyes. Preferably in the morning when your brain is super sharp. That's when editing feels really, really easy. The reason I'm able to write content so quickly, other than the fact that my typing speed is insanity, my words per minute is absolutely sick. But I think what's even more important is that I write in one industry. I am a B2B technology writer. I know mostly the tone that these companies write in. The subject matters are all kind of similar, even though they're different tools, but I keep myself focused on one subject. I talk about the same things, think about the same things, research the same things, and I think a lot of people get really bored with something like that, but for me, it allows me to go deep into this topic so that the work becomes almost autopilot. So I'm less focused on trying Trying to always jump from something new and exciting and just go really deep on a topic that I know about so I can get the, do- the work done quicker. And it's interesting because I- I've been thinking lately a lot about fun niches because I did a website for a photographer. So I had new brand photos taken and we did the little barter because she needed a new website copy. So I wrote her website and it was so fun to like create messaging for like a fellow female entrepreneur and somebody who was going to be writing in a very casual conversational tone whereas sometimes tech can get a little boring b2b can get a little boring right and i'm like when all was said and done it was like super uh fulfilling but to me it's not enough for me to be like i'm i'm willing to make less money and write for female entrepreneurs to me it's more worth it for me to write the more boring stuff that I can command absolute top dollar for it. Like there is no way I'd be able to get, um, you know, the same amount of money from a photographer who's a solo business like me. I wouldn't be able to to get like $2,000 for a blog post. That's the type of money you get from companies that have big marketing budgets. And that's why I'd rather target them because I can feel really confident commanding that right because I know they have the budget for it. The other thing is I'm always looking for an easier, more efficient way to do something. So whether it's transcribing a podcast and then putting it into ChatGPT, turn it into a blog post, I've just found so many little workarounds that I... I used to spend too much time on like this is embarrassing to admit but I used to actually transcribe entire blog posts like so a client would come to me and say use this podcast episode and write a blog post and I would sit there and listen to the entire audio and type because like I said I'm a really fast typer but wow if I had known about AI transcription like I do now it would just be such a different story so like 
discovering Otter AI years ago was key for that. And then discovering that I could take the transcript from Otter AI and feed it into ChatGPT and say, hey, summarize the high level points and turn this into a blog post with this outline. The amount of time saving we have is absolutely insane. So I'm doing a lot of ChatGPT training in my course, Three Days to Paid. And one of my students came to me and was like, you know, I was really hesitant to try this stuff, but just watching this mini lesson, I'm realizing that I really should give this a try. And that's how I was too. I was very, I was surprisingly slow to adopt chat GBT. I was paying a lot, a lot of money for Jasper. I was a super user at their highest level. But then I realized that ChatGBT basically does the same thing for free and sometimes has higher quality output than Jasper. So right now I'm just using Jasper for adapting tone, which I go into all of that in that training. If you're in my course, you're definitely going to want to check that out. I use Jasper to change the tone. The other thing I do too is I use Asana as like my second brain. The minute I get an idea about anything, it goes into the Asana board. And I find that that allows me to think more clearly. I'm not clogging up my brain because I think a lot of time we'll have an idea and then we'll keep it in our mind and it's taking up space because we don't want to forget it. And when you can get all of your ideas out into an Asana board and know that it's safe if you ever want to go back to it, that is key. I get great ideas when I'm walking, when I'm walking on the beach and I'm listening to podcasts. So it's great to just get all of that in there. So those are some unconventional productivity tips. And I know I went on a few rants. That's really how I get it all done. I mean, I just recently started working with a virtual assistant. This is very, very beginning stages, but believe it or not, I I am doing everything on my own right now. And I think it's just a testament to the processes I have in place and that I've been able to streamline content creation to a point where I am able to keep up with the output. But I am looking forward to expanding what I'm doing and hiring a team of other freelancers and contractors. I've definitely outsourced before. I haven't found the actual like best right fit for me at this moment, but I'm hoping soon that I'm not going to be doing everything. But Right now I am doing everything and I sent an email out, an email newsletter this morning where I basically talk about the fact that I really don't have um, much going on in my life other than work. I'm like hyper, hyper focused on work and I think that is honestly how I wind up getting so much done too. I'm probably not super balanced and I'm probably working more than I should or more than most people would think is healthy because I'm up on my laptop until... 11 o'clock at night or whatever. But I explained this in the newsletter. It's the season that I'm in. I'm in a very hustle-focused season. I also feel like in a lot of ways, I'm making up for my entire 20s where I really was completely lost. And I don't know if it's really considered lost because it clearly formed me into who I eventually needed to become. But I was not sure what I wanted to do with my life. I did not think writing was even a possibility. So I was going from job to job, trying to figure it out. I was dating a bunch of unavailable people. I was friends with a bunch of toxic people. My closest friendship was with a narcissistic person who just drained me of all of my empathy and energy and kind of was like an energy vampire. So I just was surrounded by not great people. I was really floundering. And then something happens when you turn 30. I, I had an epiphany about my spiritual beliefs. I left a lot of new age beliefs behind for Christianity. I 
left a lot of I, I finally freed myself from toxic unbalanced friendships that were draining me it was just a year of like finally standing up for myself and growing a backbone which is why I probably bring up those themes a lot in my writing so please send me messages and let me know how you felt about the episode and uh, how you feel about this format hearing from you guys really keeps me going and motivates me to keep sharing to keep showing up because it's really hard to show up a lot of people online you don't know this but they're thinking to themselves like what's even the point of sharing this who no one's gonna care <laughs> so we need to know that you do care and that you do enjoy it now if you want to know the story about how i actually got on linkedin and built my freelance business step by step you're gonna to want to download my LinkedIn guide below. I tell you a little bit about how I transitioned and replaced my nine to five income with a freelance income. It's a free downloadable guide for you and you can learn how to set yourself up on LinkedIn step-by-step. Step. See ya.